millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Kia ora. For Eyewitness and RNZ, I'm Justin Gregory. The morning of April the 25th, 2015, began early for Everest Base Camp Manager Anthea Fisher. Back home it was Anzac Day, but high in the Himalayas, Anthea was focused only on her job. She'd gotten up while it was still dark to see off her climbers as they began their first trek up to Camp 1. And after they left, she was enjoying the relative peace and quiet of a nearly empty base camp. I was actually having a little late morning nap just because I could, because I knew I wouldn't be disturbed (laughs) by... uh, questions or having to organize anything. I was in my tent when the earthquake struck. I knew immediately it was an earthquake and I immediately jumped up. I grabbed my radio and my phone, put them in my pocket, put my boots on and and ran out of the tent. The 7.8 magnitude earthquake struck at 11.56am and lasted for 50 seconds. The epicenter was near the Kathmandu Valley, just 160 k's northwest of Everest. And while the shaking was over in less than a minute, the danger to Anthea and the others at base camp hadn't truly begun. You get quite used to hearing the ice cliffs and the seracs fall off the surrounding mountains. You know, you hear them during the night. After the earthquake, you could hear that it obviously dislodged a large number of these ice cliffs. At one point, it sounded like the valley was falling down around us. You could actually see the avalanche coming towards us and... I wasn't actually sure if I would survive. After a brief, terrified moment, Anthea dived into a nearby tent. But at the same time, I remember thinking, I don't actually really want to be in a tent because it'll collapse and it'll suffocate me. I hedged my bets and I stood in the doorway, kind of half in and half out, just really waiting to see what would happen. The ground is shaking. Oh, oh! This is a recording of the actual earthquake and avalanche hitting base camp. The video's on the eyewitness page at rnz.co.nz, and it's a tough watch. Sorry for the language you could hear, but given the circumstances, we think it's pretty understandable. Come under my jacket. Come under my jacket. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. 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 Scheiße. Fuck. Fuck, man. Fuck. Fuck. An ice cliff above base camp had collapsed, falling hundreds of meters to the valley below. And as it hits the valley floor, it really just exploded across the base camp because of the force of it. It carried with it, you know, rocks and debris. So it wasn't that soft snow that was going to bury us. It was more like an explosion of ice and rocks that came across our camp. And I also remember thinking, I hope this stops soon because I don't really know how much longer I can take this for. Several large avalanches hit that day. One in the nearby Langtang Valley killed more than 300 people. Nepal's capital, Kathmandu, 
was also hit hard. Searching for survivors with bare hands, the immediate aftermath of an earthquake that's brought death and destruction to a large swathe of Nepal. Uh, the ground shook uh, quite hard for, I would say, possibly about 30 seconds. Trees were waving like crazy, like it was a hurricane or something like that. Nepal is struggling to cope with all its injured. They'd been brought in for treatment in trucks and rickshaws. So many casualties, the capital's hospitals quickly ran out of space. As rescuers race to find survivors, a major international aid effort is being prepared. Nepal is in desperate need. When everything finally went quiet, Ashok and Anthea crawled out of her tent to an entirely new reality. Our whole base camp had been completely obliterated. There was nothing left of it. You know, bits of old tent fabric poking out. And then I saw not far from me uh, one of our staff members who'd been out in the open. He was lying on the ground and it was obvious from his injuries that he'd not survived. And that was the first scene that I saw. The young Sherpa's name was Pemba. This was his first time on the mountain. Pemba was one of six local staff working for adventure consultants who were killed by the avalanche. At least 19 people died on the worst day in the mountain's climbing history so far. I think you leave a lot of yourself, your personal self, behind and you become very much someone that's task-focused. And in a way, you almost dehumanise yourself because that's the only way you can deal with the scenes that you're seeing, the fact that you're watching people at the end of their life. The area where the adventure consultants team was set up took the brunt of the avalanche. Other parts of the camp were luckier. Some of the camps were hardly affected at all and that they only really got a small wind blast, but they actually were still had the majority of their tents intact. We'd had nothing. We couldn't even find a roller bandage amongst the mess of tents, even though we had extensive medical equipment there. It was all completely gone and blown away. Some of the, the climbers from other camps would come up and say, do you need a toothbrush? Do you need another pair of pants to wear? I've got some clean ones. They'll fit you. And and making sure that we were well-fed and well-looked after. And it was just so lovely to have people around that gave us that support. With the dead and injured being taken care of, Anthea put through a call to her climbers at Camp One. She didn't really expect to get a reply. I thought that our whole team was gone. So it was a great relief when they answered the radio call and I asked them how they were, and, and they said that they were fine, that they'd got a small dusting from an avalanche up at Camp One, but they were OK. So I didn't anticipate them asking about how we were, so I didn't have an answer ready. I think I said, base camp has been obliterated. We expect mass casualties, which was met by complete shock and also the shock that it hit base camp so hard which has always been thought of as the haven as the safe place it's the sanctuary between trips up and down this dangerous mountain night came for the survivors at base camp but sleep did not i don't think anyone really slept there were lots of people that were obviously upset you could hear people crying we were still having ice cliffs fall down during the night so every time one of them would come down, everyone would jump up and wait to see if it was getting bigger and louder and whether we needed to put our boots on and go somewhere. All the injured were still in base camp. We hadn't been able to evacuate them that afternoon due to weather. So there was a lot of concern about, about how everyone was going to fare during the night and, and if 
everyone was going to make it. The next day, the climbers from Camp 1 began to arrive in base camp. In shock and grieving, Anthea understandably struggled to relate to them. I really felt for our climbers. They'd obviously had their own frightening experience at Camp 1, but they had no sense of what had really happened in base camp. And so they would tell their stories of their own fear and disappointment and it was really hard to contain a bit of anger towards them. They didn't actually know what it was really like in base camp, how bad it was and the feeling that, yeah, you've had a bad experience but you you didn't deal with the dead and the dying and you didn't have the same threat to your life had to really kind of keep that in check so that I could still be respectful of their own loss. But at the same time, no one could ever understand what I'd been through and it was it was difficult. The climbing season was cancelled and Anthea Fisher made her way home. Adventure consultants set up a fund to educate the children of their dead and injured Nepalese staff and to rebuild their homes. After an emotional struggle, Anthea decided that she would return to Everest in 2016 in part to support the Sherpa who had also signed up for that season. If they were willing to come back and embrace that risk again, that I would come and stand next to them. But it was also, for me, such an amazing place that I didn't want this to be my story of my experience in the Himalaya. I wanted to have a good story. I also figured what was the worst that could happen. It was not easy to go back, and there's a pass that you walk through on the way up to base camp where there's the memorials for those that have died in the mountains. Yeah, I shed a few tears there. The tragedy at base camp wasn't the first for adventure consultants. Anthea worried that the locals would think they were an unlucky company and wouldn't want to work for them. A Sherpa leader put her mind at rest. And he was like, no, not at all. He said, do I have a list of amazing staff that want to come and work and I was really quite surprised by this. I, I didn't expect this to be the case. And I said, oh, why do you think this is? And he, he said, they've all seen how well AC, Adventure Consultants, has looked after their staff after the events of the earthquake. And they want the assurance that if something bad was to happen, that they and their families would be well looked after. And they've seen that. Over 8,000 people died in Nepal that day. More than 20,000 were injured and half a million homes destroyed. The earthquake was strong enough to literally move mountains, shifting Everest itself sideways by three centimetres. A major aftershock the following month killed a further 200 people. But the 2016 climbing season saw 600 successful summit attempts and only five deaths, which is considered a normal year on Everest. Anthea Fisher enjoyed her second stint at base camp, and when it was over, she went home happy and alive. You've been listening to Eyewitness on RNZ National with additional audio from the BBC and Jost Kobush. If you enjoyed this story, please write a review or rate us on iTunes. You can subscribe or listen to every Eyewitness podcast on iTunes or at radionz.co.nz forward slash series. And while you're there, we'd invite you to dip into any of the other RNZ podcasts. Eyewitness was written and presented by me, Justin Gregory, and engineered by Rangi Powick and Jeremy Ansel. Kakite anō. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told 
about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.